On this episode of Brad and Will, we're going to be talking about Shane Goon showing out in those Turkish games, Willie Colleystein signing with the Rockets unexpectedly, and some discussion about Jabari Smith and Josh Giddy. It's absurd, but listen to what we have to say. And welcome back to another episode of Bride on Will. I'm your first host, Will. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, at Bias Houston. I'm a golden cookie shout out Clutch City Control Room. Thank you guys for all the support you've been showing on the YouTube channel and the Instagram and Twitter pages. We appreciate all of that. Make sure you leave a, a like and a comment. And yeah, I'm going to pass off to Brad. As always, I'm your second host, Brad. You can catch me on Instagram and Twitter at BradONBA. All your favorite stats, highlights, all that good stuff. I always got you covered. And without further ado, we have a guest today, Assad, a really good in the Rockets community. Make sure to give him a follow on Twitter. And he's about to plug his stuff right now. So Assad, first of all, how you doing today? And let the people know where they can find you. Hey, I'm chilling. Appreciate that, Brad. Uh, my name is Assad. Been a Rockets fan whole life. Uh, Y'all can find me at Twitter at AssadKing2001. Uh, give me a follow. I tweet out random shit about the Rockets, follow the Texans. Just, you know, having a good discussion all the time. There you go. Yeah, definitely give him a follow. Yeah. I mean, we're going we gonna to jump right in because we got we kind of got like a full play today to talk about. Uh, the first things first is uh, Shingun's game against Slovenia. That's how you, I hope that's how you pronounce that uh, that country, right? Yeah, there we go. I'm, I'm, I got it. Slovenia um, against uh, Luka Doncic, right? So um, there's a lot we can talk about from that game, but I first want to make way for the guests to, to get their thoughts off and then, you know, we can follow up after you. So what were your thoughts, aside on um, that game? I know uh, for those people who don't know, we actually watched that game like live together through spaces. So uh, the entire like reaction to the game, I caught live with Assad. So uh, go ahead. Yeah, and Assad, really quick, really quick. Before you just uh, talk about that game, um, Shangun also played against Ukraine. We came out and had 15 points, three rebounds, one uh, assist, one steal, one block. Looked really good in the post, was drawing every foul in the world as he did in the game against Slovenia. But Assad, did you also watch the, um, the game against Ukraine? Yeah, I caught that game too. That yeah, so really what were your thoughts on? You can jump it together, two different discussions. <laughs> but what were your thoughts yeah. on those two games? So I'd say first, uh, plug in, like, I got the Shangun jersey on. It's my first <laughs> ever Rockets jersey. Uh, shout out my cousin who got it for me. Uh, the Ukraine game. So both games, Shangun is just, he kind of did the stuff that we saw him excel at in his rookie year. He's just crazy dominant in the post. Like, they couldn't guard him down there, especially in the Slovenia game. Like, he shot, I think, 16 free throws. He didn't make too many of them, but 15, they were just, 15, yeah, 15 free throws. Oh, my bad. Can't get a stat wrong in front of Brad. Like, yeah, I so said you can't yeah, slip up for the Brad moves, man. Can't yeah, flip up for the Brad moves. My bad, my bad. <laughs> no, you good, uh, you <laughs> but, yeah, so uh, he shot 15 free throws because every time he, he got in the post, they were just there. Like, Slovenia was panicking. Like, they were just hacking him everywhere, and he was drawing fouls, too. Like, he's just incredibly dominant down there. He was passing. His assist numbers are low for both games, but I think that's more of a – I don't remember his name, but number five on the Turkey team, he was fumbling like layups left and right. Shangun is given to him like right in the pocket and bro is missing them. So he, he should have had like three, four assists each game, but all in all, like what I noticed most like that was different from his rookie season was his recovery speed and his size just looks way bigger than it was last year. Like he looks like he's hitting those angles a lot more. It's like, if you watch the Hakeem Shangun workout video, you notice like something Hakeem was really like emphasizing is like he needs to get into that turnaround faster. He needs to spin a little quicker. And that was definitely on display. You can tell it's definitely something he's put in the work during the off season. And all in all, it was just really impressive showing from him for both games. And especially against the Slovenia game, because that game was down to the wire. The Ukraine game was basically a blowout. Like I think they were up by like 20, basically the entire game. Like, uh, like Ukraine had, had no chance against uh, Turkey. But Slovenia, that was a dogfight from beginning to end. And Shangun's like fourth quarter explosion. So he only clocked in, I think, like 22 minutes. You can correct me if I'm wrong on that, Brad, but 23. Uh, <laughs> 23. Oh, wow. <laughs> he clocked in around, yeah, he clocked in around 23 minutes uh, in the Slovenia game. But uh, uh, they benched him for like majority of the fourth quarter. And when Bro came in, he came in, I think they were down by like almost 10 points in the fourth quarter. And from the moment he came in, he spawned in with like five points. He spawned in, like got fouled, hit both free throws, came down the court, had an and one, and then went and made this ridiculous block. Like he was around mid, like half court, 
the guy went up for the layup and he turned around, covered in insane amount of distance, jumped up, blocked it off the backboard. It was just incredible. Like he he turned the game around and sent it to overtime. He it was just one of the craziest clutch time showings I've ever seen from Shingun. And it's a huge indicator of what to watch for next year. I'm so excited to have him in the starting lineup as our center. Yeah, I saw a lot of great points. And, you know, watching these two games and, you know, he's just, you know, getting to Turkey. Um, you know, he hasn't played since April. So he's coming off the bench in these games. And I'm watching him like, man, did we get the reports wrong? Is he not playing? <laughs> I didn't expect him to come off the bench. But as we saw with the Rockets, you know, he came off the bench and brought um, an instant impact to the court. That first play in the Ukraine game that he got the rock, got the ball in the post, hit his, you know, patented spin move, hit a little pump fake and got fouled. And I'm like, wow, this, this man is so crafty. And just watching him, man, you can't box score watch Shane Goon because it really undersells how valuable he is and how skilled he is as a passer. He makes so many incredible passes that will never, you know, go onto the score sheet, um, whether that's someone blowing a layup, as Asad mentioned, or, you know, just the vision that he has on the court. He makes a lot of incredible reads, and I think his touch also looked a lot better. And as Asad mentioned, I think he's getting to his moves a lot quicker now. Um, he, he he just looked incredible. I think he's going to have more variety in the post. We're going to see more from his game in the post. Um, the one thing I'm looking for him to add in the post is that post fadeaway. I saw him making those when he was 18 and won that Turkish MVP on some highlight reels, and he, he was looking like Dirk Nowitzki. So we need a, some Dirk Nowitzki action in there. Um, we don't have to pat that uh, that phrase, but I'd love to see him hit some, some fadeaways. But, you know, as for that Slovenia game, as you guys mentioned, that was insane. Uh, I want to really just talk about his blocks because there was one play late in the fourth quarter. They're down maybe four-ish, five points. Um, they were trapping Slovenia, and they, they hit it to a guy wide open in the paint. And you can't even see Shangun on the screen. He's coming out of nowhere and gets the block. And I was like, oh, that's that boy Shangun. He's going crazy. And I loved everything I saw from him. And even over time, he got the block on a three-point attempt. And he, he just looks, he looked a lot better out there. Um, I'm just really excited to see what he brings to the Rockets next year. Yeah, it's cool to see the entire Rockets fan base just watch some international games just because Shane Goon is playing. We're all Turkish fans now, and I probably always will be until that man retires. So, Will, uh, what, what were your thoughts on those games? Uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, like you said, it was, it was really fun watching that game as a family on Rockets Twitter that day. It kind of wasn't even the plan, uh, but it kind of just came together. We all ended up watching that game at the same time in the space. Uh, but, like, off the rip, like, even beyond Shingon, if you didn't watch that game, you missed out on, like, a actually, like, all jokes aside, a crazy game. Like that's, That was an instant classic. Yeah, like, to, to be honest, like, not even trying to gas it, not trying to be yeah. funny. That was a crazy game from start to finish. I mean, we had um, four of uh, – I'm going to mispronounce his name, but – Korkmaz and um, what's Mother Man's name? Seti. Seti Osman. Seti Osman. 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 Yeah. Looked like Stephen Clay out there, bro. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I've never seen those two guys, yeah. you know, shoot as accurate and, you know, look like just walking buckets. I mean, I guess that's yeah. what, what, uh, what overseas basketball is. But, like, Facts. dude, they look like Stephen Clay out there. So, like, even – even if you didn't, you know, watch for Shingo, I think you just missed on a good game in general if you, if you didn't watch yeah. that game. But, um, but yeah, like like uh, like Brad and Asai touched on. I mean, Shingoon, I think they lost the game because Shingoon wasn't in the game long enough. And then when he was going to be, he fouled out. Right. So that that is the one criticism of his game that he has to continue to work on is the fouls. Um, you know, when balancing out, you know, how to you know be an effective rim protector without fouling. Um, but like, yeah, like I think they lost that game because Shingon didn't play more. Like, I, I think if he played a lot more than what he did, they win that game. Um, like Asad said, he when he comes into the game, he's spawning in with instant off. Like, I think his very first play of the game, they give him the ball in the post, he spins it, gets a foul. You know what I'm saying? Like, within 10 seconds, he's already, you know, going to the free throw line. Um, and that's another thing he used to work on too, was converting his free throws. So that, I, right, yeah. I think it was seven out of 15, or was it eight, eight out of 15? for 15? Eight, eight for 15. You guys are always just one off, y'all close. I know it was in that. <laughs> It was in that ballpark, and I know you would know it. But, yeah, like, he, he drew 15 free throw. I mean, yeah, 15 free throw attempts. But, you know, if he can convert those at a, at a higher clip, I mean, his, his point per game average is going to go up. It's, it's kind of funny that the Rockets traded uh, James Harden for, like, another foul merchant uh, in Shingun. Um, but, yeah, like, he spawns in with instant offense, um, drawing fouls, making plays for other people. And it's, it's like the little things that Shingun does that also don't show up on the box score. Like, he sets really good screens. Um, you'll see sometimes where like he'll set like off ball screens so somebody can get open or he'll kind of help direct traffic. Like it's little things like that, that if you don't watch the game, you won't really see cause they don't show up in the box score, 
But stuff like that is like huge for a team that's trying to, you know, win games. And like that was on full display um, on, um, on was that Saturday's game? And so right, was that? Okay. Um, and so, yeah, like they, um, I, I, I think they would have won it. Shingun stayed in the whole time, but like the, the highlight of the entire uh, game to me for Shingun was uh, the fourth quarter. Like, bro, I don't know if you know this one's off your head, but how many, do you remember how many points they were down when Shingun checked into the game in the fourth quarter at the end? So it was 79 to 71 and they were at the, how was the score? The yeah. Yeah. So they, they, the game was for all intents and purposes, pretty much over like we were in this space like ah man like we were we were gonna push some nasty agendas if, if slovenia won this game. i mean uh yeah turkey won this game but you know ah it's over they ain't gonna win this game and then shingun checks in and immediately turns the game like it was ridiculous watching this in real time sinking completely turn the game around i mean he had the uh the the putback dunk to get the and one go to the free throw line hit the free throw um and then the very next possession like brad and the side said um in this like there was the um, Slovenia had a guy like wide open in the paint, completely un- open, uncontested. I'm like, oh man, like that's game. Like if he hits his layup, it's over with. Like we're, you know, uh, it's, it's over. And like I'm thinking, like, cause it's it's a wide open layup. The, the nearest guys, is at half court. Shingun splits off running from from half court and meets him at the rim. And I have never seen like real talk. That's one of the craziest like, I've ever seen in my entire life. And I have never seen such display of athleticism from Shingun in my entire time watching. Like that was. That, that's like a LeBron James type block, yeah. man. To recover from half court to get to the paint and then get the block without fouling it, ridiculous. So, yeah. Um, yeah, man. I mean, that was those are my thoughts on it. It was a really exciting game. Um, I encourage everybody if you haven't watched it to go watch the rerun or something because, yeah, man, that was a really good game. Yeah, you know, as Asad and I always say, you know, as you said, that was one of the most athletic plays you've seen in a while. And you know, he's he's sneaky athletic, man. You say it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that that literally, I think it was like two minutes in, and Korkmaz like hit a three, and then turned to the crowd, and the game was in Turkey. Turned to the crowd and like started mean mugging, putting his hands out, and I was like, "Bro, is this a game seven? Like, what's going on right now?" Like, <laughs> and they almost like there was a couple like moments where I'm like, "Are they about to start fighting?" Like, you know, what I'm saying, "Are they yeah. throw hands?" Like, you know, what I'm saying, like it was a it was a crazy yeah. game. Yeah, it's like listed as an international friendly. There was nothing friendly about that game. Nah. Like, those those teams were fighting. Game yeah, the only thing that go to OT. I'll oh, go ahead, Brad. I was gonna say the only thing friendly related to that game was them benching Luca down the stretch, but they just gave the keys to to Goran, and he hit one of the craziest shots I've oh ever seen. Uh, I want to say Turkey was up by two with 28 seconds left, and Goran came down running full speed, had the ball in the paint or in that you know in the mid range area, step backed. He just threw up a three and he hit it. Yeah, <laughs> that was, was it. <laughs> it was the ridiculous. most like I don't give I don't care about the shot. He's like he just threw it up and it, <laughs> yeah. Nothing but that, like yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. And then what one thing to touch on is like I I know Brad's itching, but like there was this box score that we found and it, I don't even know if it's really that accurate, but there's no advanced stats on there because there's no plus minus. And I just know like just I test, I know Shangun's plus minus had to have been crazy because literally like what was saying, like every time he came in, Turkey started like either tying the game or going up. And then every time he stepped down, they were like down by double digits. It was crazy. Yeah. I, I hate that they left him on, on the bench, you know, in that third quarter, they subbed him in really early, then took him out. Then didn't sub him in until really late in the fourth, as we mentioned, the score was like 79, 71. And then yeah, next thing you know, you know, they tied the game. So if he doesn't foul out, as Will says, I think they win that game. If he plays more minutes than 23, they win that game. But if he converts from the free throw line, they even win that game. So two things he needs to work on, uh, free throw shooting. And he shot 80% around there in his MVP season at Turkey. So he he can be a good free throw shooter. He's capable. He needs to start, uh, you know, converting those and keeping fouls down. I think I think he shot like 70% last year too. So I think he'll yeah. be all right. Yeah, yeah. He's got to, you know, get that up and – he also had one of his patented ways three, so shout out to him for that. So hopefully we get to see his three ball on display this upcoming season. But that's all I have to touch on on that game. If you guys had anything else to, to talk about, Robert games. Okay, if not, it was just a crazy game. Like I said, I encourage yeah, everybody who didn't get to watch it live, I kind of hope that you watch it before we kind of spoil what happens in this podcast because, like, going into it with completely blind with no expectations and not knowing what to expect, like I said, that was – that on right was one of the craziest I've ever seen. So, um, yeah, we can jump into the next uh, topic we have on the table. 
uh, which is Willie Cauley Stein being signed to a non-guaranteed training camp deal, which kind of came out of nowhere too. That was the same day as uh, Shingun's game. Not, nobody kind of saw uh, that kind of signing um, being the table. Rooker, before I go off to the side uh, to talk about that, the one thing that is going to be kind of key, which I kind of want to get y'all's opinion on, um, I believe that this Willie Cauley Stein puts us at 21 roster spots and you can only have 20 going into training camp. So somebody's going to have to go. And I'm, I'm going to say right now, my guess is it's going to be Marquise Chris uh, that we acquired in the Christian Wood trade from Dallas. I think he's the one who is going to be finding a different home uh, before training camp. Um, but, yeah, aside to, like, what are your thoughts on the Willie Cauley Stein signing? And, and then, you know, who do you think is going to get, uh, get cut to make room for him? Yeah, so real quick on Willie Cauley-Stein, he was drafted, I think, pick six, round yeah, one. Six, yeah. I think it was yeah, 2015. 2015. 2015, yeah. So, respective to his draft position, he's kind of been a bust. Like, I think that's pretty fair to say. Like, he has, hasn't really found a home anywhere in the NBA. He's just kind of been bouncing around. But, well, main thing going for him is he is crazy athletic. Like, he does have, like, insane. Like, if you if you all haven't, like, checked it out, look up a Willie Cauley-Stein highlight reel. Like, he has some absolutely ridiculous dunks. But the problem is that's about all that's about all he does. Like he's not he's not a great like he's not a great perimeter defender. He can't really switch that all that well. He's a decent rim protector just because he has like absurd length and upset athleticism. But I think it's an okay, like it's a it's a decent move. Like basically he's just gonna compete for a roster spot right now. And for our backup center position right now, we have Shangun starting and then we got like Garuba, Bruno, and now Willie Cauley Stein competing. So I'm assuming when the season starts, we're only going to carry about three centers total. So he's fighting with Gruba and Bruno for a roster spot. And I think that's fine. I think that's good to have competition on the team. And he does have upside just because of how athletic he is. And, hey, if we're the team that can unlock him, respecting his draft position, I mean, there's a reason that guy was drafted at number six overall. Like, if we're if – we're, if he's a redemption story here, I think that's – I think it's a, it's a very low-risk, very high-reward signing. Well, what are your thoughts on it really quickly while I pull up some – some Willie Cauley Stein advanced stats that I can share for you all. Um, so I think that um, I think the only reaction to have here is just, huh? Okay, we you know we got Willie Cauley Stein. Like I, I don't think it's like a um, an overly great aspect. That I don't think it's also like a bad thing. I think it's just kind of like okay, like this is somebody like Assad said who can you know give some competition to to Fernando um and to garuba it's like you know maybe these guys need to earn that back as well which i'm all 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 in favor of right i think that like for this young team especially with like the non-stars i think having to earn your minutes and like prove that you are the best man for that job it's gonna be good for them right to have that kind of competition to have that that guy who's like you kind of just can't come into training camp out of shape and kind of like relax because like if somebody out there who's gonna take a job if you do um and so like yeah i, I think that's great for them so that they that you know for fernando and uh um uh uzman to have that type of know competition with Willie um I saw a lot of people saying things like you know this was a, a bad signing and you know the I don't know man they was they was I, I respect I think I think it was an overreaction it's a training camp deal that's not guaranteed he could we waived right now and it would have cost us zero dollars and zero cents to do it you know what I'm saying like nothing there's no bad outcome here the the absolute worst outcome of this signing is he gets waived <laughs> he goes find another job like that's that's the worst thing that can happen here the best thing that happens here is that, hey, maybe, like Asad said, maybe we can unlock some of what he was supposed to be with that uh, sixth overall pick in Sacramento. Like, maybe he is, you know, somebody who um, can be a serviceable backup five, right? Like, we, we kind of don't know uh, to what extent that's going to look like. Is it Garuba? Is it Bruno? Shoot, might, might be Willie now, right? We don't really know. So, um, best case scenario is that that's him, right? He can be that serviceable backup. And I think one thing that I, I do like about him is that he is a legit seven-footer. And... Um, I think he's probably the best lob threat on this team, not named Jalen Green and KJ Martin um, at this given moment, right? So um, KPJ is somebody who really, really thrives when he has somebody he can throw lobs to. That's kind of in that same like James Harden combo guard mold where like he likes to run pick and roll and then, you know, find the big when they cut to the basket. Um, so like maybe that's, you know, KPJ's pick and roll partner for the bench. Who knows, you know? Um, so like I said, I, I think it's, um, I think it's a, a solid deal. You know what I'm saying? Nothing too crazy, nothing too uh Nothing too um, great either. It's just kind of like a, huh, you know what I'm saying? Like there's the worst thing that happens is we cut him. And, and the best thing that happens is that he's a rotation. So it's, a, it's, a, it's the definition of a extremely low risk, high reward type of move. But um, uh, that's all I say, right? You want to touch on it? Yeah. You know, looking at these advanced stats, you know, com comparing, you know, Willie Colley signed all these advanced bigs, 
it's really making me think off jump. I think they're just going to mess around and cut him because he's, these are the most underwhelming stats I think I've ever seen. <laughs> but I'm going to go, I'm going to go, you know, stat by stat here. So just talking about defensive rebound, you know, Willie's a big guy. He's around seven feet tall. So you're going to think he's a good rebounder, but no, he's, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're looking at defense. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. We're looking at defensive rebounds for 75 possessions. He's in the 24th percentile. So that means 76% of bigs are better than him at doing that. And then you're going to say, okay, well, every big has good uh, efficiency, right? You know, if you look at his true shooting percentage, he's in the 12th percentile amongst all bigs. <laughs> in true shooting percentage. So it's like, okay, really? <laughs> what are we doing here? So, uh, you know, one good thing about Willie, you know, he gives, you know, good rim shot quality, um, top uh, 60% in the league, but he only finishes, had a finishing talent that was in the seventh percentile, which is, which is God awful. So, so to contextualize he's not, he's not that, even yeah. that good of a finisher. I was going to say, know? to contextualize that, that means good shot quality means he's getting really wide open looks. And yeah, he's, not, he's yeah. just missing them. He's just missing the most of his wide open looks. Yeah, and if you want to dim it down a little bit and just say, Brad, what are you talking about? Just go look at his um, field goal percentage, right? Um, last year, he didn't even shoot over 50%. He shot 46% from the field last year, right? And he's not he's not taking threes. And then the last, last thing I want to touch on, okay, okay Willie, if, if you're not going to do that on offense, we need you to play some defense, right? So interior defense, right? He's getting some rim contests, 86 percentile, you know, per 75 possessions on a rim contest. But it doesn't mean he's not, you know, stopping the shot from going in. So as a whole – his rim protection was in the 14.6 percentile. So he's he's a great F in every single one of these categories that I just mm-hmm. mentioned. And he's a big man. So I need you to finish, play some defense, do something. And I didn't even touch on his free throw shooting. He was in the bottom 10% in free throw shooting. So I don't know what that brother brings to the, for, to the for, Rockets. For, for uh, bigs? He, he, brings, he brings another guy. To was, the he in the bo- was he in the bottom 10% for bigs or just for players overall? For, for all bigs. All oh bigs. Oh, God. Yeah. That's even worse. I mean, and that's why I was saying, like, if you're like, I don't think this is like a move where you should be like super duper excited about. I think it's like it's a it's a it's a okay move. You know what I'm saying? Like, best case scenario, he's a rotation piece on a the worst team in the NBA. The worst case scenario is he's just out of a job. I mean, I don't I didn't really get the the overreactions or like the the concerns of like, oh, what are we doing here? Like, man, it was just a it's just a simple training camp deal. And like, yeah, if you're like worried about um like I said, the roster spots that he's taken. One, I said, like, I think Marquise Chris is gone. And I, I just, I don't know if I remember, but he was like the guy who was like, play me or trade me back. I think it was like, what, 2019 when he, when he was like, play me or trade me. Um, so I don't, I don't think Marquise Chris is at any point in time was going to be a part of this roster. Um, and then you still have Sterling Brown. Um, what's the point guard who came from uh, Dallas? Uh, Trey, Trey Burke. Trey Burke. Trey Burke. Yeah. Trey Burke. And then you got Boban, right? And I think out of those four guys, only Boban is the one we're going to even somewhat consider keeping. Um, so like, bro, like we're not out of roster spots either. We could just wave those other three guys. Like I, in, in my opinion, I don't think that this is like said anything to be uh, super duper concerned about or super duper excited about. It's just kind of like, we'll, we have to see how it plays out. Um, but if you didn't want to add anything else, but I actually have one more question um, on this on a topic before we kind of transition completely. Um, anybody else want to add anything on uh, Willie Cauley Stein? Oh, I guess, you know, the one thing I didn't touch on, uh, I never touched on his offensive rebounding. Um, it wasn't going to be positive though. I mean, 30, 38th percentile in offensive rebounds for 75 possessions. So he's, he, you know, there, there's a reason he was unsigned for this long. I'm sure these guys, this is all coming from basketball index. Every NBA team uses this and they're probably looking at this and they were scared of, you know, signing that, that man to the team. I mean, Rockets, you know, they needed some depth at the center position. And again, even if he is on the roster, he's not getting minutes. I'm telling you that right now. He's not getting minutes. So if this signing, it ultimately means nothing. Um, just add another guy to the training camp. I would say if if you're a big man and Luka Doncic can't make you look good, there's <laughs> nothing we can do for you, bro. There's Not nothing we can Luka, do, man. He got traded to Philly with James Harden. He played. James like Harden can't games. make you look good. He yeah, played with yeah. James. Yeah, but I guess in practice it, it wasn't showing, so he didn't play that much. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, so yeah, oh, if Luka, if Luka, Chris Paul, or James Harden can't make you look good as a big man, I mean, we're talking about they got. They got Javel McGee paid, uh, uh, Clint Capella paid, uh, Nicholas Claxton, some some sort of an uh, attractable asset right now. If you can't get paid playing with James Harden, Luka Doncic, we hey, we might have a problem. But I want to ask you, you guys one quick question. I kind of go ahead and get my thoughts on that real quick and let's see what y'all think too. Um, to me, Willie Cauley-Stein, I, I think Rube's going to be on the roster no matter what next season. Like I think even if he doesn't show out in training camp, he's still going to be on the roster. He might just be in the G League if that's the case. But um, I think that Fernando and Willie are going to be competing for who gets to be 
like insurance for uh, Garuba, right? Like assuming that Garuba is not ready for that backup five minutes, I think that's what Fernando or um, Willie Collins time is going to be for. And so that kind of made me start thinking. I, I, I thought we talked about this like in a couple of spaces before aside, but like I'm thinking to myself, I think this upcoming season, not to be like dramatic or nothing, but I think this is kind of a make or break season for Garuba, right? Like we, we're in a very unique situation, excuse me, <clears throat> with our rebuild, right? Where we don't own our first round pick after next season. So for the 2023-2024 season, OKC owns our pick. I think it's what top four protected, but yeah, like we're not getting that pick, man. Like that's that's probably the, the chance of us getting that pick are just so slim. So we don't own it. We can't afford it to be, you know, the worst team in the NBA. Like even like a bottom three team. Like we have to start, you know, come next the season after next. Like it's time to start putting some wins on the board. I'm not saying it's a championship or bust season, but like. We should be trying to find a way to at least to the play-in tournament and maybe try to win that tournament against the playoffs. Like, it, we cannot be the worst team in the NBA um, for, like, the fourth season in a row, right? Like, that, that just can't happen because we don't our pick. And so I'm under the assumption that because it is going to be time to start winning, um, we're going to have Jalen, Jabari, um, our pick this year, which, you know, who knows that's going to be, but it's probably going to be another, like, top 10-ish pick, right? Um, and then you have Shingun and KPJ and probably Tari, I would say are probably the only like assuming KBJ you know stays committed to the to the team and doesn't have any flares. I think those are like the six guys you can say will probably for sure be on next season's roster or that 2023-2024 season roster. Everybody else, I think their job can and possibly will be replaced if if if, if the goal is to start winning games. I could see the Rockets being like, hey, we're gonna either try to make a, a, a big splash for a major free agent, you know, we're gonna have all that cap space. Or maybe they decided like they would rather you know sign a bunch of quality vets. Um, and if that's the case, like I could see one of those guys being a ba- a legit backup five. You know what I'm saying? Like somebody who can actually protect the rim, catch lobs. You know, be be. A, I'm not saying like Robert Williams is a backup five, but like somebody in like that mode, or like Mitchell Robinson, somebody like that who can kind of be your backup five. If that's the case, I think Groove is out of a job on the Rockets. And like to me, it's like if you can't prove that you're supposed to be a part of the rotation when it's time to lose. I don't see how you're going to be on the rotation when it's time to win. And that's not, maybe I'm off base here, but that's kind of where I'm, that's, that's my one concern with Garuba. It's like, I think he has to show us this season why he's worth giving minutes to next season. Because I, I don't, I think up until this point, he hasn't shown us that. Um, and like I said, it seems like every time he's um, been able to show it, whether it's be like in summer league or um, in, uh, you know, playing for, for, for Spain, he's been hurt this whole time. Like we haven't really been able to see him. Um, and there's been questions, you know, about his conditioning and whatnot. So like, I said, I'm not concerned for Garuba. And I think if he was like on a different team where they could afford to suck continuously, we will be able to like give him more leeway and more time to like, you know, figure himself out. But like I said, I think with the situation that we're in where we, we can't be bad in two seasons, I just, if he can't be a part of the rotation now, I'm I'm really struggling to see how he's going to be part of the rotation um, and which time to win. But I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Do y'all disagree, agree with what, what I think? I'll go to the side first. Yeah. So, it's it's kind of it's, this goes from more than just Garuba. It's like kind of like, like you know, like the two thousand eight financial crisis. You can kind of see like <laughs> this bubble, like it's about to burst on the Rockets roster. Like there is a massive roster crunch coming, like at the end of next season, where legitimately we're gonna have to decide which of these prospects we think have displayed enough potential to stay on this team. And Garuba has had a really bad mix of limited minutes playing behind Coach Silas and Shangun. And then bad, just ticky-tacky injuries where he just hasn't been able to get his conditioning right because he's always hurt and he hasn't been able to stay in the gym long enough. Like right now, I don't know if you guys know, but he's he's should, should be playing for Spain in the right. uh, Eurobasket like uh, friendlies, but he has another ankle injury. And it's just like the story of his career so far. And I was high on Gruba when we drafted <laughs> him. I was surprised he fell to us. And it's really unfortunate that it's going this way. But like, it, I, like, it does sound kind of dramatic, but – to say this year is a make or break year for him really isn't that crazy. Like next year upcoming, especially if we trade Eric Gordon, right? There's a very real possibility that we have like two to three first round picks next season, like going in that we're going to end up drafting in this draft. And this draft class is loaded. This draft class is stacked. And if Garuba isn't showing us anything at the backup center position, then there's no reason we don't take a prospect and, you know, basically replace him. And it's, it's sad to say, but if he can't like, put some of his potential like his defensive potential because he was he was heralded in a stacked draft class the 2021 draft class he was regarded as arguably the best defender in that draft class and he hasn't really shown that for us yet and if he doesn't put like those flashes at least a little bit consistently this season 
there's no reason why I don't think either another prospect next year or a veteran big the season when we're trying to win games doesn't replace him. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I ultimately believe, you know, Garuba is a guy who does need to show what he can do this season. Uh, we've touched on it before. You know, the Rockets are going to start winning games in 2024, 2025, or at least they're going to try to. So Garuba can't assert himself into the mix this year. I don't see how he's a part of the long-term plan, regardless uh pick or not, you know. So this year it's going to come down, in my opinion, I thought maybe they could throw Tari at the back of five if they feel like their wing depth is, you know, too, of a, too much of a log jam. But it looks like they may just go with Garuba at back of five. And if not him, then probably uh, Bruno Fernando. And, you know, Bruno Fernando, um, he, he wasn't really bad last season. I, I liked what I saw from him in his um, low-minute spurts. Uh, I do think he's a better option than Willie Colley-Stein. I was going to rattle off his numbers and compare him to Willie Colley-Stein's, which is that much better. But um, I, I'll do it, in fact, because it's pretty Yeah, funny. go ahead. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I need to laugh. I need to laugh. Yeah, I need, I, I need something. <laughs> yeah, so looking at his defensive rebounds per 75 possessions, remember how bad Willie's was. You know, at least Bruno Fernando's in the 78th percentile in defensive rebounding. So he's a good rebounder. Um, they even measure defensive rebounding positioning, which is impressive. Uh, 81st percentile. Don't ask me how they measure that, please. But th- that's impressive. <laughs> when it comes to efficiency, uh, and tr- you know, true shooting percentage and effective field goal percentage, he's in the upper 93, uh, 93rd percentile. So he's a, he, he's efficient. As we all saw when he was in the game, he was getting buckets in the post. <laughs> uh, I like what I saw from Bruno. Throwing it down with authority. Had a, a 72 finishing talent. 72nd percentile. Um, and his rim contest per 75 possessions, really impressive. 94th percentile and 66th percentile in rim protection. So at least he's in the upper 60s and everything that I mentioned. You know, when we were talking about um, Willie Collison, he was in the, the bottom there. So that was his ugly. But, you know, Bruno, he's a good option. But um, the Rockets, I do think just because um, Garuba, I still believe he has a lot of potential. He's just been hurt to see that potential on display if they're going to play him at back of five. And, if they're not going to play Garuba back at five, they better put Tari there. I don't need to see anybody who's not a part of the long-term future getting minutes on the team, unless it's a guy like Eric Gordon who helps the spacing, which we've discussed time and time again, and maybe a guy like Garrison Matthews on spot minutes. But when it comes to Garuba in this conversation, I I, I hope there's no threat to take his position outside of maybe a Tari Eason um, if, if they don't want to play him that wing. But that's all I had to touch on on that topic. Uh, I'll, I'll say I'll go with this one. I'll let you go. Yeah, I was going to say, like, funny story on, on Bruno is uh, – I, I took my dad to his first Rockets game in like 15 years today, uh, this year against Memphis. And we got there a little early and uh, Bruno was out there warming up. And my dad's like, yo, like, who is this dude? Cause he's like, Bruno's like tall. And he was like dunking. He was jumping. Like he was doing like alley-oops in the air. My dad's like, bro, who is it? And I'm like, I could not tell you. Like I've never seen that dude before in my life. And then later on in the season, like he came in for that one game where he was like, like, what was it? Like, like perfect from the field or something. Yeah. So he, he had 16 points, eight for eight from the field. Yeah, just absolutely he had, ridiculous. He had like maybe two or three games where he was like pretty yeah. solid. He, yeah. he was go, he was going on that stretch, and I was like, "Dang!" Like I told I told my dad, I was like, "Bro, you called it!" Like we were watching this dude warm <laughs> up, and like you were saying, "This dude's gonna be good." And like look at him, he's like he's not missing shots. That's just like yeah. a random funny story about him. Yeah, he had sixteen eight and two that game. He he was everywhere. Yeah. No, it was in like it was like twelve minutes too. It was like ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It was, <laughs> I guess the Mavericks. I want to say right. Yeah, I was yeah, I think it was that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to add two things uh, to the discussion before we completely transition. Um, one of which for like the the misaggregation. I don't think it, we're not saying that it's time to give up on on uh, on uh, not Bruno on Usman Garuba. It's not time to give up on him. He still has plenty of time. Like I said, he has this whole season, um, training camp, all that good stuff to show us that he's worth building around. Like I said, I'm just saying that because up until this point he has not shown that and it, it does i mean like it seems like every time he's ready to get healthy he's in another setbacks coming on or like maybe he may not be ready and i might need to go to the g league if that does happen that is where i would say i would start getting a little bit more concerned about his long-term outlook on the team so not that we should give up on him we should trade him anytime soon just that you know like he has this season and then like from there it's going to really come down to it's, it's like like Asad said it's not just him i'd say that like the same would probably apply to you know, maybe KJ, right? If he doesn't get traded, maybe, you know, I, I know Tate just got, you know, re-signed, but maybe him. I mean, I, I who knows what's going to start happening um, with, like, the, the roster, especially, like I said, come to, like, like the bench situation. Who knows what's going to start happening um, when it comes time to start winning. But then the second thing I wanted to throw in, too, is also let's let's speak complete worst-case scenario, right? So, like, knock on wood, I'm not trying to, like, 
wish Garuba any, uh, you know, misfortune. But let's say absolute worst case scenario, he is a bust, right? He does not, he does not work out. Um, we have to trade him. You know, maybe I wouldn't say wave him. Maybe I feel like maybe it's probably a team out there that would would probably want him. Like maybe like Utah. You know, they're, they're kind of only have a direction right now. So like maybe they would uh, to take a flyer on him. Um, kind of like how Marvin Bagley ended up in uh, Detroit. Um, maybe that guess for like lesser lesser extent because Marvin Bagley was like the second pick in the draft. But like kind of in that same kind of vein of like uh, uh, I think Don calls them uh, redraft players. Um, so like somebody like that could maybe take a chance on Garuba. But like in the absolute worst case scenario where he is a bust, we gotta think about it like this. In the last two drafts, Stone has drafted seven rookies, four in 2021 and three in 2022. Statistically speaking, at least one of those guys is going to be a bust. If if Stone can go seven for seven in two drafts, he's the greatest general manager of all time. Like it, it, the greatest drafting GM ever. If if you can if you can get seven <laughs> seven rotation pieces in two drafts. You are the greatest general manager of all time. I'm like, as far as drafting goes, like that does not happen. If yeah. you go look at like how many guys get taken um, in the draft and how many of them stay in the NBA like past like five seasons, it's it's not that many guys. So like statistically speaking, we don't like to hear it, but like one of these guys is probably going to be a bust. Like just just going off of strict numbers, and right now it's looking like it's Garuba. So like if Stone has a six for seven hit rate and the only miss is Garuba, that's still a W. Like I, I would still be very happy. With the way we drafted these last couple of drafts, I really wouldn't be too upset. Like to me, that's still um, a very good outcome. If like we hit on six out of seven guys, right? And then I, I, I was going to end up with two things. I, I just kind of thought of another thing that I want to add about the Willie Cauley Stein stuff too. I think Willie Cauley Stein is also like a testament that like I think Rockets fans think that I say Rockets fans. I, I think just NBA fans in general. I think that we think that if you're drafted in the top. 10 that like you're guaranteed to be a like a a piece in the nba and you're going to be around for a long time it's not the case man that's one of the reasons why like i said i i am all in favor of foregoing the draft entirely this season if we can go out to the playoffs or the playing tournament like i would i'm cool with that because like if you look at the odds that like a top 10 pick stays in the nba past five seasons or like pans out the way he was pre-draft process doesn't happen that often right like the, the draft is very much a gamble and I think Willie Cauley Stein is somebody like that like if you go back and look at kind of how he was heralded coming out of Kentucky in that 2015 draft he was supposed to be a, a pretty solid player like he wasn't that wasn't like a bad pick you know I know um he wasn't like the best center probably I think that was with the same draft with like Cat and Jill Okafor but like Jill Okafor is another guy right like Jill Okafor went three in that draft right and, yeah. and here we are you know a couple seasons later and he doesn't have a job in the NBA so like I would just like caution us like assuming that like just because you're taking top 10 or whatever like that doesn't mean that you're the best player in the draft it doesn't mean that you're going to even be in the nba past you know five seasons you could be at the league um relatively soon so i don't know that's just kind of one thing i want to kind of throw out there um um when it comes to drafting but did y'all anything else you want to say on uh garuba fernando willie Cauley stein anything like that i'm good on that front yeah like and just like contextualize that more it's like not even when we say like hits we mean like in the NBA for more than one contract. If he has draft seven players that get a second contract, that's like the greatest GM of all time. Yeah. Like that, that, that doesn't, doesn't happen. happen. That doesn't happen. Like these guys don't even have to be all-stars or like starters. If they just get a second contract, that's unbelievable. If they're just a rotation piece, like yeah. just, just simply being a player, you, you can play in your rotation. If Stone drafted seven of those guys, He's the greatest drafted general manager ever. Like that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah. I just wanted to kind of throw that out there too. Um. And then the last thing we have for today, um, I know Saj was already talk about this, is uh, there has been a very uh big debate on on NBA Twitter about Jabari Smith and Josh Gating, who's the better prospect out of those two guys, um, and it's kind of taking a life of its own now. I, I kind of I realized last night that I actually helped signal boost the original discussion. I didn't I didn't know that I did that, but um, yeah, <laughs> here we are now, two or three days later, and uh, we've had several spaces, several arguments, and um, several discussions about who's a better prospect, Josh Giddy or Jabari Smith. So Asad, I'll let you go first against the guest. Uh, what are you What are your thoughts on this discussion? Yeah, so it's it's kind of funny because I cannot think of two players more inversely correlated, like more opposite <laughs> of each other than Josh Giddy and Jabari Smith. It's like everything like Jabari Smith does well, J- Josh Giddy doesn't, and then everything Josh Giddy is really good at, Jabari Smith is. Like it's like the funniest comparison 
right? So if, like, you, if, if you were to combine, then you have the greatest player of all time. <laughs> you would, you would like, like I swear to God, if you gave Jabari Smith, Josh Giddy's handles and passing, it's over. Like that's like that's like KD with like 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 Jokic passing. It makes no sense. Like, that's a broken player. Like anyway, so like Jabari Smith is you know six ten, great knockdown shooter in college. Uh, insane defender like he's going to be around probably i think at his peak he's going to be a seven foot all nba defense like perennial guy like he's going to be on there every single like every single year if he doesn't make a team it's a travesty right like i think he's legit going to be that kind of guy and josh giddy is more in the build of like a six eight point guard he's an incredible passer and he can get to the rim but he's not the best scorer like even okc fans will tell you they don't see josh giddy ever getting more than like 20 points per game and he's just more of like in that passing mold so it's tough like when you're comparing these guys as prospects like yeah i think josh giddy's passing is more a precursor to being a star but the problem is just in the nba in the playoffs to be successful you have to either be able to shoot or play really good defense and generally both right championship teams don't have many players in the roster that can't shoot and can't play defense Right. And right now I'm not, you know, not putting any like ceilings on Josh Giddy, but right now he does not really excel at either of those things. Right. He's not a good shooter. He was one of the worst volume jump shooters in the NBA last season. And he's not a good defender. He was like he has pretty low defensive percentile rate because I'm sure Brad will get on that later. And yeah, if you want me to, I got you right now. Yeah. What is it? Because I, I, I remember it wasn't that good last time I looked it up. Uh yeah, looking at his three-point shooting, we'll just go down the list. So three-point uh, shooting as a whole, 17th percentile, catch and shoot, 11th percentile, uh, above the break three, so anything outside the corner, 18th percentile in the corner, a 31st percentile. And again, this is amongst all guards. So he he he's a terrible uh, he's a terrible shooter. It's awful. <laughs> yeah. And like, he's a guy, last thing I'll say, he's a guy that they leave wide open, right? They have a thing called mm-hmm. player openness rate. So he's wide open, right? And he's still missing terribly. So. Is he on yeah. that um on that uh, I didn't even pay attention? Is he on the NBA university graph? Yeah. I, I was I was about to, I was about to say that. Yeah. I, I probably that. still have that pulled up. Um, shout out uh shout out NBA University, but there's plenty of graphs. Yeah, I, have, I, have, I, have, I have them saved on my phone, but like there's a ton of graphs where it measures like three point openness, three point making, and Josh yeah. Giddy's in the bottom left corner. Like three point mm-hmm. like shot creation, three point like uh, shot like uh, making, and he's like in the bottom left corner. But he's just not good at shooting right now. And I mean, hey, OKC just hired that Spurs legend shooting coach that made Kawhi get a jump shot. So maybe Josh Giddy gets that, but it's just. I think when you go to prospects, right, Jabari's floor is so insanely high. Like, Jabari, if he adds nothing to his game, if he just plays in the NBA with the skills he already has, he's a starter on a championship team. Like, he's already a good defender, already definitely going to be a good shooter. Like, that's already enough to be, like, a legit starter. Like, think about, like, the two championships we just saw. Like, that's what most of these fourth, fifth guys in the starting our bench rotations are. They're just guys who can play defense and can shoot. Like that's like the Marcus Smart builds, the Gary Payton builds. Like Jabari Smith is that's his floor in the NBA. Right? Josh Giddy's floor is someone that if he can't have the scoring gravity to justify using his passing skills, he's just not gonna be able to really thrive at the point guard position. Like I don't wanna Again, I, like I want this to be like a Josh Giddy hate segment, but there's a very easy comparison to another Australian point guard that isn't that good at shooting jumpers. It's <laughs> <laughs> like really easy to make, but you know, and that, that was guy, good at defense too. That was yeah. good at defense, right? Like, like that's what I'm saying. I don't want to say nothing, but like that guy, we all see what happens to him in the playoffs, right? And shout, it's Ben Simmons. If you don't know by now, right? But uh, Ben Simmons is like a really good defender, really good passer. I think he's been like top three in assisted threes, like since he entered the NBA. He might have been number number one or number two behind LeBron, and like great defender, perennial defensive player of the year candidate. He was unplayable in the playoffs because guys are just spacing off him and daring him to shoot and daring him to hit his free throws. Right? Josh Giddey is an okay free throw shooter, which you know is a good precursor to his three point shooting, but. To say that Josh Giddey's a better prospect than Jabari Smith when he's currently deficient at the two most, I think, in my opinion, at least, two of the three most important skills to thrive in the playoffs, I think, is just inaccurate. Because if if Jabari Smith adds a handle, if he adds, not even, like, when I say handle, like, look at Jalen Brown, Chris Middleton. He doesn't need to be, like, Kyrie or something. If he can just, basic attack closeouts, 
like basic gets a little left right dribble like anything then he's like a perennial all-star like that's like the only hole in his game josh giddy i think has a lot more things to improve on and that's why i think jabari smith is just a considerably better prospect yeah you know when looking at those two guys as i mentioned there apples to oranges two completely different players but just to dumb it down you know i know we haven't seen jabari smith play a single nba game but you know, Josh Giddy has aspects of his game that make him unplayable in the playoffs, which is extremely important. You know, as a basketball player, he he he's not the best defender um, unless he's in the post. You know, he's obviously really big. He's a good post defender. But outside of that, he's bad on the perimeter. He can't shoot. He's a good finisher. Yeah, he's 6'8", and he's an amazing passer. He was the best passer, in my opinion, when I was scouting prospects last year. So I love his passing ability. I think he does have a lot of upside. He's a really good prospect. As a side said, we're not just hating on this kid. I think Josh Giddy can be really good, but he has to improve his um, his shooting ability. He has to gain respect from defenses in that aspect. And yeah, he's got to get better on, on defense, um, on the perimeter. I, I don't know how that's going to go for him, but good luck, Josh Giddy. But you know, when looking at Jabari Smith again, he looks like he's going to be able to guard pretty much every position, unless it's a, a huge big man like you know, Joel Embiid or Cat or someone like that. You know, he looks like he's going to have the ability to guard some big mans. And he did it really well last year at Auburn. He was in the 90th percentile in um, perimeter defense. Or not perimeter defense, but, you know, rim protection. So, Bryce Smith, really good. in the, And we know he's a really good perimeter defender, as we saw in the summer league. And, yeah, I know it's summer league. But it will translate to the NBA, I promise you. And as for shooting, we didn't see it on display in the summer league. But he, he was absolutely absurd at Auburn. Um, shot 57.1% on uncontested threes. That's that's absurd. 37.2% on contested threes. That's absurd as well. You know, 42.8 catch and shoot as a whole. Whoa. Hey, Br- hey, Brad, hey, Brad, that number's familiar. What, what is what else is that that number coming? No, I said 42.8, 48.2. Oh, okay, 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 okay. okay, okay. I, forgot. <laughs> I was almost forget about that. Yeah, so pairing a guy like Jabari with KPJ who shoots 48.2% from three is going to be fun. But, you know, back to the giddy discussion. Um, <laughs> what got me laughing? But Jabari... He's he's a more um, likable prospect, in my opinion, than Josh Giddy. And before before I pass it off, I've seen people say that Jabari is a better prospect than Jalen, and I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk bad about Jabari now. But if we're having that conversation, why are we talking about about Josh Giddy? That's, that's all I have to say. Yeah, I mean, so y- y'all kind of touched a lot of things I was gonna touch on myself. Um, but like my biggest rap, and I don't think Josh Giddy's a scrub. I think he's a, he's a great player, right? The, that's not the discussion of who's a who's trash and who's not trash like it's we're discussing better prospects right like who's who's a better uh option i guess for when you we were, we were talking about building a team and somebody you want to have on your roster comes time to winning a championship would you rather have jabari or josh giddy and I, maybe i'm a rocket fan maybe i'm a homer but i think it's kind of clearly jabari i don't really think it's even like a discussion i think the only reason it is a discussion is because okay see twitter is pretty deep um but like i think everybody else would for the most part agree that jabari is a is a better um prospect when you look at what results in like not big men but like wings and guards not being able to play in the playoffs it's what Assad said it's when you're not um a respected shooter and not a plus defender right so like what is the reason why Duncan Robinson who I mean breaking up with the stats can you know can shoot the lights out with the best of them one of the best um shooters in the NBA why can't he play in the playoffs because that man can't guard nobody, you know what I'm saying? He's he's a, he's he's getting disrespected on defense. And I'm not saying that Josh Giddy is, is Duncan Robinson, but like that's kind of just my point I'm making is that like even the guy who's one of the best shooters in the NBA is like borderline unplayable come postseason because he can't guard nobody. And then on the other side of the spectrum, why is a guy like like a side set like Ben Simmons who's six ten can guard? I mean, I think Ben Simmons can guard one through five to be honest, which I think he's one he, of the best. He can. In the, yeah, I he think can. he's one of the best yeah. defenders in the he's entire legit. NBA. Yeah. And why is it that him as a guard, because I think if you put him at the five, it's a, it's a new discussion, but like as a guard, why is he unplayable in the playoffs? It's because the man can't, he has no offense to him. You know what I'm saying? He he's not a he's not a respected shooter. And you'll you'll foul him, put him at the free throw line, right? And like I know, like Assad said, he's not uh Giddy's not quite as bad of a free throw shooter as Ben Simmons, nor is he as like unwilling of a shooter as Ben Simmons. But my you know, most of those are my two extreme examples of like situations where if you are a good shooter, but not a plus defender, you can't play. And if you're a plus defender but not a good shooter, you can't play. The thing that makes Jabari such an intriguing prospect to me is the two things that will get you played off the floor in the playoffs. He's already, at this point in time, today is uh, August 14, 2022. 
he's already elite at both of those things. He's an elite shooter and elite defender, right? And so that's the kind of discussion I was having yesterday is like, I need a name of a guy who was 6'10", can guard, you know, one through four pretty confidently, probably some of the smaller fives, less physically imposing fives, um, and then shoot, you know, I mean, what, what did he shoot from, from in college? Was that 42% in college, Brad? Is that, was yeah. that what it was on 30, 42%? Yeah, as a whole, 42% on five attempts. Yeah. Tell me a guy who can do that at that size who wouldn't be, you know, like I, I think Jabari Smith, as with that skill set, if it translates the way we think it will, I think he would start. Or not maybe, maybe not start because I know like uh, Golden State has like Draymond, but like I think he starts on in Boston. And I I, I think that, that um, Golden State probably wouldn't start just because they have Draymond Green already, but like, he would be like the first sub off their bench if, if they had a, a guy like Jabari Smith. Like, and I, and I, that's well, just the two teams. Go ahead. Really quick, I just wanted to say, you know, who could do that at that size? Jabari is actually the only one to do that in college. You know, a 6'10 guy yeah. shooting 42%, making the amount of threes he did. He's actually the only player in NBA history, or not NBA history, in college <laughs> basketball history to make that many threes at that height. So we've never seen a guy yeah, like yeah. Jabari Smith. Even Silas said he can't compare him to anybody. He hasn't seen with, a guy like him. With that defensive skill. And so, like I said, like, and that's just, those are just the two teams in the finals, Boston Golden State. You could go down every matter of fact. We should. That's matter of fact. That's, that's a good exercise we're gonna do real quick. I'm gonna go name um, every playoff team in the playoffs last year, and I want y'all to stop me when Jabari Smith wouldn't start. Like I said, now assuming Jabari is the player we think he is, right, where he can guard multiple positions and shoot threes at a high level, right? I have every team. Miami. You tell me he can start over PJ Tucker. I, I think he's he a, a 6'10 PJ Tucker. Yeah, I, I, I mean, or, or should it, if, if, if you want to start PJ two uh, slide Jimmy Bax at the two, and you start PJ the three, put Jabari at the four. I, I think he start. We, we said he would start on Boston. Milwaukee is kind of tough, right? So they have Giannis and Chris Middleton. It's it's tough, yeah. right? Yeah. You said he but, would or would not start on Boston. I think he would start on Boston. They were starting. On, was it Grant Williams at the four? No, Al Horford. I, don't, I actually don't. No, know. Al Horford. Okay. So they have a nice little Boston is nice because they go Robert yeah. Williams, Al Horford, Al Horford, and then they go with uh Jalen and obviously Jason. Yeah. I think I think I would rather start uh I mean like because I think they were starting Horford for like defensive reasons and like Jabari's a great um utility belt on defense. I mean I, I don't know. I, I, we can have that discussion about that. I, I think he yeah. would yeah, yeah. I, I respect him if you don't. That, that's, close. that's close. That's close. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'll go out um, nice. I'll go out. Boogie, boogie. Okay. <laughs> And like I said, I, I won't give them. I won't give them Milwaukee. That's because like the greatest power forward in the NBA right now plays on Milwaukee. So <laughs> that's why Philadelphia. He would start. He would definitely start in Philadelphia. Um, yeah, oh, he would start. Yeah. Oh, uh, Toronto. Uh, Toronto's been running. They've been running. Um, Siakam at the five. So I, I think they, they would start Jabari in, in Toronto. Move Scotty to the three. Um, yeah, they find a way to yeah. fit him in there. They they, yeah. they, they they put Jabari in there. Toronto. Toronto. If you can defend and you can shoot, Toronto will start you. Yeah, they love you, especially if you're like a, a sizable, you know, defender yeah. like that. They love guys like that, dude. So OG think... and Jabari is a three-four combo would be nasty. Oh, and Scotty. Oh, that's and that's Scottie. what I'm saying. Scotty. That would be uh, hell. Yeah. So I, I think he can start in Toronto, right? <laughs> Chicago. Chicago would love him. He start in Toronto. Brooklyn would kill to have a guy like Jabari Smith <laughs> on the roster. If they Jabari Smith, that's crazy. And then Atlanta, another team that would. Love to have him. He may not be your four, but I think you're at the three, right? Like having a guy who can guard multiple positions and um, not going through. That's just in the East, right? In the West, Phoenix. He can't start over Jay Crowder. You think, you think he would start over DeAndre Hunter off rip? If anything, I think I, – I don't know what they do with John Collins, but they do have some guys. No, I, did, I think John Collins would stay. But was, I think he was hurt for this postseason run, though. He was. He uh, was. Yeah, he did yeah. get hurt. So, and that hurt so my fantasy we'll, team, too. But we'll throw him out. I think he was hurt. Um, but Phoenix, he'd start over Jay Crowder. Um, Memphis, uh, yeah, not. I think he would. Be, I don't know if he started in Memphis. Well, uh, they, I think they will go with JJ at the five. Yeah, you got to go with JJ. Oh, I just forgot. Yeah, they were running JJ at the five, weren't they? So Jabari, yeah, yeah. in the playoffs, in the back. playoffs, they weren't really. In the playoffs, they, they, yeah, yeah. They, they, didn't, they didn't play Stephen Adams much. I forgot about time. that. Yeah, he did not play. So yeah, Jabari yeah. started in Memphis. Um, Golden State, like I said, they have Draymond and Wiggins, so I it would be kind of tough. Um, I I do think that in like their death lineups. When Draymond's at the five, I think he would start. I think he would be in that lineup. It, so there, there goes another team. Dallas would love to have Jabari Smith on their roster next to Luka and, you know, kind of help, help pick up the defensive slide. Um, can you imagine a Rudy Gobert and Jabari Smith front court <laughs> defensively? <laughs> That's nasty. Um, so, yeah, I think he started in Utah. Uh, Minnesota, they would love to have him next to Well, Gats. Rudy's gone. Uh, I was going to say, by the way, yeah, Rudy. Oh, well, yeah, okay, but – yeah, so I'm, I'm, and he's he's in Minnesota now. That's it's kind of funny. That's where he's at right now. So yeah, um, Denver. Um, who started at the four for Denver this year? 
It was Michael it's... Green for De- Aaron Michael. Gordon. Oh yeah, no, he's a three. So they were running like Will Barton and stuff like that. The three, right? I don't know what their starting five was looking like. Uh, Will yeah. Barton is in a guard on NBA.com, though. Um, they were some interesting laps. I have to double check. I, I don't know. So yeah, I actually don't know. Um, <laughs> but I'm willing to bet that out of the, the small forward or power forward, you could probably slot Jabari in there somewhere where he's at Minnesota. And I think New Orleans is the other one where it's like, hey, if if, if everyone's healthy. He's not starting over Zion and B.I., but yeah, because but. Zion was out, I think that Jabari would start in his place. So, I mean, yeah. that's – we went through a lot of the playoff teams and said that he would start on a lot of them. Um, I don't know. That was my long way of, of explaining that to you. Um, I don't know if I can say the same thing about Josh Giddy, who, you know, like you said, his – I'm not trying to be funny here, but his weakness is literally the playoffs. Like, that's when you, when you talk about what guys can't do in the playoffs it's not being able to shoot not being able to uh defend him he's not necessarily that great at either of those things at this point in time i think he can improve um in those areas but as far as like prospects go and guys i would rather have on my roster i don't really think it's a discussion um but but yeah i, I don't know if you're looking it up brad the uh the denver um rotation if not i think that's all i have to say yeah so it's loading right now but willie willie uh will bar he was running the the shooting guard in that lineup. So they actually did run yeah. uh, Jermichael Green at the, or Jeff Green at the four for the majority. Oh, yeah. Oh. yeah, Jabari would start. Yeah, I Jabari would start. Yeah, I had the wrong Green. I knew it was some Jay Green. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jabari would definitely start on that team. So yeah, that was my that, that was my long way explaining. Like I think rookie Jabari Smith with his skill set is already a starter on a lot of playoff teams, and it, for the teams he wouldn't start on, like he's the first sub off the bench, you know, like, and, and, and that's, that's one that we talked about too, like in the last segment with like Willie Colley Stein, like sometimes drafting isn't getting um, LeBron or KD, right? Like sometimes drafting is just getting somebody you can play in a playoff series. And if you can get a starter in a playoff series, like I, to me, that's a, that's a massive W. Like if all, if all Jabari ever becomes is just somebody who starts on your team in the postseason, I, he was 100% worth the pick and I would have no regrets about it. And then like Assad said, that's just his floor. If he adds anything else to his game, any type of one dribble pull up, a, a post game, you know, get some sort of like Clay Thompson off ball, like catch and shoot kind of ability, bro. We start talking about you know starter to like top twenty five player in the league, you know. So I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just the, the biased Rockets fan, but yeah, I, I don't see how you can have take, take Josh Giddy over Jabari. But um, Brad, I saw you anything else to talk about that? If not, we can kind of wrap it. Yeah, for NBA Twitter, please don't make that comparison. And that's the last thing. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, like, because when you talk about the obvious answer, people like the, the discussion that was happening is like, oh, but like Giddy's ceiling is higher. It's like, yeah, but if you attribute like Giddy suddenly becoming a shooter and defender, like you give Jabari even like a little bit of a handle. A one dribble pull up. A <laughs> one dribble pull up. And it's, it's like, what do you do against him? Like, I just feel like that's why if, if there's a guy that has a much higher floor, and yeah, his ceiling's limited, but it's like way more reachable. I think he just clears as a prospect. It's the simplest thing. And I would agree. I would yeah, agree. I, I, I guess last thing I'll add, you know, Jabari actually did shoot really well, you know, on those one dribble pull ups in college. Um, 91st percentile from three on those one dribble pull ups. So what a guy. Yeah. I'm excited to have him. Used to, but <laughs> again, that's, that's the last thing I got to say. <laughs> No, no. So yeah, like like Brad said, um, we just gave y'all the keys to how to defend yourself against the Jabari uh, Josh, which I think is just a nasty conversation to have in general. Um, okay. But okay. yeah, but but here we go. That that that'll do it for this episode. Um, Asad, really appreciate you taking the time out your day to come talk with us. Uh, this is this is a great podcast. That was really fun. Um, go ahead, some people where they can you know find you at again, plug yourself one more time, and then we can wrap it. Yeah, y'all can find me at Twitter at, at Asad King two thousand one. Uh, just, you know, find me there. I always love a conversation. Love talking to everyone. Uh, big Rockets fan. It'll be fun this season. Yeah, and Asad, I want to thank you for coming on as Will just did. We're going to have to definitely get you on during the season, you know, analyze some of these games. So that would be really fun. And <laughs> as always, though, uh, I am with your host, of course, Brad. Uh, you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at BradONBA. Again, favorite Rockets content, stats, highlights. Do have you covered there. Uh, if you're still with us, we really thank you. Go ahead and subscribe to the channel. Catch every single episode. You don't want to miss it. We drop every single Monday. We just had an, uh, a special episode with uh, Calvin Murphy's daughter yesterday. That was really fun. So check that out if you haven't already. But outside of that, I'll pass it off to my uh, co-host, Will. Yeah, man. I've always, um, on Will, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bias Houston for all your spaces, constant aggregation, stats, agendas, whatever you need. 
Um, and like I said at the beginning, shout out Clutch City Control on Instagram and Twitter, and then shout out Brado and Will on Instagram and Twitter. Make sure y'all tap in over there. We're trying to get a little bit more active on those platforms. Um, like Brad said, we appreciate you guys making this a part of your week every day. And um, with that being said, I think we're done here. Um, right, you have DS for that? Shout out to Will, 17K on Twitter. And him with a golf clap, golf clap. There you go. Hollywood will. Much more to come, huh? Yes, yeah, man. Oh, we'll see y'all next Monday, though. Appreciate y'all.